If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. With Indeed, everything hiring is all in one place and it makes it so easy. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences each day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. The more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join the more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Indeed.com slash podcast. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This is The Art of Awesome, show number 213. I tell people this, is, especially in kayaking and anything hard, is never quit on a bad day. Mm. And I, I think about this a lot, like, um, especially on big adventures, you know, and you're like tired and you got a blister or, you know, your water's not the right level, whatever it is especially on multi-day things, you know, if you can just take time out, stop, regroup, sleep on it, usually the next day you'll have the motivation, the energy, the whatever it is you're missing to carry on. Hit it! That's what I'm talking about! Wait! Okay now, from the beginning. Hit it, boys. Welcome to the Art of Awesome. My name is Nick Troutman, and I'm a professional athlete, entrepreneur, family man, and adventure seeker. My goal is to share with you stories, knowledge, and inspiration as we continue on the journey together, searching for that secret sauce to producing awesome results in everyday life. Thanks for spending some time with me today, and let's get to it. Welcome back, everyone, to The Art of Awesome. I am your host, Nick Troutman, and this is the show where we search for that secret sauce to success and the difference between the average and the awesome. Today, we've got another deep dive interview as I get to sit down in person with Peter Holcomb. Peter is a great friend of mine and truly um, just an incredible individual as he really shares his journey into living this dream life that he currently lives. Peter's a professional photographer. He talks about how he got into photography and chased that dream in college when he didn't even know that there was a major in photography. He thought that that was just something fun that people did. And he talks about how he took this dream, this passion of his with photography, and turned it into this lifestyle that he currently lives and globetrotting the world, taking um, photographs and video content now, and, and really just shares his journey of chasing this dream, but also how it's continually morphing into something new, how he's building these skills along the way so that there's always something next around the next bend or on the horizon that he doesn't quite know yet, can't quite see how it's going to work out, but it always turns into something beautiful. So a really fun uh, interview. 
tons of insight, a lot of knowledge, and I really think you guys are going to enjoy this one. It can be, you know, related to anybody in any aspect, whether it be uh, how you guys want to chase your dreams. We also dive into, you know, a little bit about parenting and and some rules of life that way. But again, this is just a really fun uh, conversation and excited to share it with you guys. So let's wait no longer and jump right into it. Here is Peter Holcomb. Peter, it's been a long time coming. Welcome to the podcast. I'm stoked to have you here. Hey, thanks for having me. It's been a while. We've been talking about this and I'm uh, glad we're finally sitting down together. I know. We get to sit down in person, which is always fun to do these. And uh, yeah, we have been, I feel like we've been talking about it for over a year, trying to coordinate our schedules and stuff. Um, and finally got to sit down to do this. So yeah. this is pretty awesome. Well, Peter, you you live an incredible life, or at least I think it's a pretty incredible life. You travel around, uh, globetrotting the world, taking photos, doing rad adventures. Um, kind of give us a little bit of your backstory on how you got to where you are today and and just the whole journey of photography into adventure into living in a van down by the river boy that's a big that's a big one but i'll try um started out as a as a young child my dad was in photography and he would let me carry around his very expensive nikons and play with them and um, take some pictures and then as i got a little older he taught me how to use a manual camera and then from there, I just had this love of photography, and that grew into us having dark rooms in the house. Wow. And then going into um, college, I was originally an architecture student, and then went into graphic design. And then one of my prerequisites for graphic design was a Photography 101. I took that, and I'm, I'm in this class, and I'm talking to some of the other students, and I was like, hey, you know, what, what major are you? And they're like, oh, we're photo majors. I'm like, what? you can be a photo major. <laughs> That's a thing. <laughs> That's a thing. Like, really? Like, I didn't, I thought this was something um, that you just did. That's a part of something else. And they're like, no. And so then that afternoon I went and changed my major to photography Wow. and um, have been chasing photography ever since. So I've been shooting professionally for 30 years and mm-hmm. I've done pretty much every type of photography you can ima- imagine from babies to weddings, to adventure sports, to commercial work and food and, you know, I see photography as every time, like even what I'm doing today is preparing me for something that I can't see yet that's going to mm. happen in the future. And I've seen this this pattern over and over and over. And I, I, I photograph a baby and then I'm, I'm two years later and I'm using a skill that I learned photographing a baby to photograph something else totally unrelated. Interesting. And it's been this really wild path. And I'm, and now I'm to the point, I've been doing this long enough. I'm trying to think, okay, so what I'm doing now, what is this preparing me for in the future? Hmm. And I haven't yet been able to see in that crystal ball, but it is always running through my head as, um, where is this, this wild ride taking me? Because, um, a lot of it is, um, being prepared and, um, ready for those next opportunities, Mm -hmm. but it's also, these unforeseen things just pop out of the woodwork and they just can take you off in a wild direction. So, yeah, I I love a couple things that you said there. One, like being prepared for, you know, whether it be unforeseen opportunities, um, because I I feel like there's a saying, what is it? Um, um, luck equals opportunity, um, or luck is, 
when opportunity meets skill or opportunity preparation. That's what it is. Luck, luck equals opportunity and preparation. And, um, and it really is like where everything in life can, you know, every skill that you, that you hone can be totally used in, in a totally different scenario later on in life. Uh, yeah. and, and I've seen that in my own career and, and in, in really in everything that I've done, I've just recognized that like, even this podcast where I interview people like yourself and I interview uh, entrepreneurs or businessmen or women or, or mothers, fathers, coaches, athletes, I'm just like everything is so relatable from one field to the next. I can take someone and, and discuss coaching or discuss real estate and, and totally translate that into parenting or into athletics and just how everything really, you can take one skill set and then apply it to a totally different field. Um, and, and I don't know if that's like, if that comes down to like looking outside the box a little bit, or if it's just recognizing that, you know, everything is somehow related, uh, or can be like transferred skill sets can be totally transferred. So I find it super interesting how you're saying that, you know, shooting, you know, baby photography can, you know, be used into, uh, outdoor photography or adventures or, or all this stuff. It's super cool. Yeah. It's wild. Yeah. And, and I also want to dive into a little bit of your story on, I definitely want to talk more about photography and, and just the, the, how you built not just a lifestyle, um, and a brand, but also this kind of, yeah, I don't know, like lifestyle career where you kind of created your own vision of what you wanted it to be and, and how you took that business and applied it to building, you know, this dream life that you live. And, and I guess maybe we can kind of transfer that into, cause I wanted to talk about, you know, going from into the van life that you guys currently live. Cause when we first met, you were living in Lyons, correct? I uh, think. Boulder. Boulder. Okay. Yeah. Boulder. I remember meeting you guys at the, the Lyons, uh, outdoor, outdoor games. games. Yeah. And Abby was super young. Uh, we did an interview with Abby. I'll, I'll put a link to that, uh, in the show notes as well. But, um, but yeah, we met you guys over in Lyons and, and we did some cool photo shoots there under the bridge. And then we did a cool night shot, uh, in Salida and, and, just really liked your, you know, photography work and stuff like that. But then you guys transitioned into this van lifestyle and traveling around and, and what I see as like kind of globe trotting and, and just doing rad adventures. Um, it, which inspired me to do more of that, even though we were kind of already doing that, but I want to hear a little bit of maybe how you created the business side of, of your photography and then how you kind of transferred that into, I don't know, this dream life that, that you guys have built and, and kind of like how that transferred into this van lifestyle a little bit. Yeah. So that's, um, that's a good one because when we first met, I was, we had a really high end wedding and portrait business in mm -hmm. Boulder, Colorado, and we shot all over the world. We did destination weddings, which for most people means, um, you go off to far flung places and, and shoot these, um, really high end weddings. And we did that, but then we also quickly discovered that Colorado was the destination for a lot of people mm. coming from around the world. So we would shoot shoot weddings in Aspen and Vail and you know all these resorty kind of places that people from all over the place would come to. Yep. So we were traveling a lot outside of Colorado to do weddings, and then we're doing these weddings that are in our backyard. And um, we kind of developed this business model into it was all about the mountains and shooting on location and being in these dramatic places 
And that carried through with portrait work and with the wedding. So the mm -hmm. wedding clients that searched us out were really looking for those take me to these wild, beautiful places that nobody knows about. And this is kind of pre-Instagram, but it's a lot of the stuff that you see on Instagram today yep. is that same kind of um, vein. And we went from doing that and just traveling a lot. And finally, we were um, in Moab, Utah doing a shoot. And we'd just gotten done. We were packing up. We had to jump back in the truck, drive back to Boulder, do the laundry, mow the grass at the house, and then jump back. And we were going to the Tetons in Wyoming to do another shoot. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, oh, my gosh. Like, all I want is just to stay here in Moab and go rock climbing. And that's that's and Kathy and I both were talking about that. We're like, gosh, I wish we had like two more days just to hang out here and do some stuff for us. And Kathy was like, well, hmm, yeah, I wish that too. Maybe what if we didn't have to go home and mow the grass and do the lawn and um, and check in on our business and be at the studio? You know, what if we could just go straight from Moab to the Tetons? I was like, oh, that would be great. That would buy us two days and save us a lot of travel time. And she's like, well, what if we got an RV and moved into an RV and we just didn't have the studio? You know, we were totally mobile. It's like, oh, gosh, you know, like we we spent 20 years building this business and we've got this awesome studio space. And our my office was just a dream and I loved working in it. But we weren't connected at all to our house or our physical business. I mean, it was something that was nice that we had. But when we got to really thinking about it, it was like, yeah, that's, it's kind of a drain on us, you know, going back. So this um, percolated for about a year, this idea. And at first I was like, totally, it was my dream, but I was also like, there's no way we can do this in reality. It's just, it, you just can't do that. Mm -hmm. But then we started talking about it. I was like, yeah, you know, this might be crazy enough to just work. And, um, and I was like, you know, let's, let's do a year. Let's sell everything. And when I say everything, I mean the house, the studio. We kept our like household stuff and put it in storage. We bought a small RV, a little Winnebago view, and we decided to hit the road and try it for a year. And we actually said, okay, we're going to start June 16th. It's our anniversary. And we're going to go a year. And then when we come back, we're going to move to Buena Vista, Colorado, where, mm -hmm. we're, where we're hanging out right now. And we're going to buy another place. And yeah, our business will probably take a hit. We'll have to rebuild a little bit, but we'll have had this amazing year doing exactly what we wanted and showing Abby all this stuff around the U.S. and Canada that we wanted to take her to explore. How, old, how old was Abby at the time? Abby was 10 years old. She just finished fourth grade. Okay. And, and also, what was the, the time period between first talking about it, like back when you were in Moab, versus actually taking that leap of faith? It was about a year. About a year. Yeah, Okay. And was there also, sorry to interrupt, no. I, I definitely want to hear the rest of this story too, but was there also like, I imagine there's a lot of fear, like that's probably what held yeah. back of like, oh, you know, we can't do that or, or this isn't what normal people do and, and what about the business and everything we've created, like what kind of, what was the trigger that really, you know, enabled you to take that leap of faith to say, let's just go for it, let's just do it? Yeah, um, there was a lot of fear. And, you know, I talk to people all the time at Overland Expos and stuff that, that want to do what we did. They want to go on the road. They just don't know how to do it. And the first step is the hardest one. Mm -hmm. Once you take that first step and you commit, just like kayaking or anything else, once you're going, then it all falls into place. Mm -hmm. Good or bad, 
more often than not, it's good. I mm-hmm. mean, and really, even the bad stuff, you figure out how to overcome it, you adapt, and it, it all falls into place. So um, in our case, it was selling the house and also wondering what our clients, that we built this really high-end clientele, what they were going to think about it. Are they going to think we've gone crazy and now we live in a car in the Walmart parking lot? You know, it's like it, uh, it had a lot of negative connotations. And that was really before like hashtag van life was a thing and it was mm-hmm. romanticized. Um, I think all of our clients really appreciated travel, but they also all had nice houses, nice cars, and travel was a luxury. It wasn't necessarily a lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And and we, you know, we were going to be a year long trip. So it wasn't totally a lifestyle. It was more of an experiment. Mm-hmm. And so we did that first year and we had a full year of weddings booked. So we had work for a year and we were going to be booking weddings on the road, hopefully, if everyone didn't think we were crazy. Mm-hmm. And, um, but we did. And we took off and we shot our first um, wedding on the road. We went to San Diego and shot, as actually Newport Beach, shot a wedding there. Enjoyed Southern California, went up to Yosemite, did all this stuff that we dreamed of taking Abby to, and it was working. And um, the whole plan just kind of clicked along really great. I mean, it was a really good mix of work and play. And throughout my career, you know, before I did the wedding and portrait work, I shot a lot of rock climbing. Mm -hmm. And so I was traveling around the West, living out of a Toyota pickup, photographing, you know, dirtbag climbers and trying to sell pictures to magazines. And, and, you know, you can do that as a, as a 20 something. Um, it, it's definitely doable, but it's hard to have a mortgage and a family off of what you can make Mm -hmm. doing that kind of work. And so then that's where the wedding and portrait came back in, but traveling in the RV gave me the ability to then, um, have more down, not really even downtime, have more time to do personal work. The stuff that I'd been dreaming that I wanted to photograph and I just didn't have the time because I'm doing all this client work. Um, and I'm running back and forth with the travel, going back and forth between Boulder. So when you and I met the first time, you were a part of that. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I'd been doing that before, but I saw you and I saw an opportunity. I was like, God, this guy's an amazing kayaker. Maybe he'd want to go create some pictures with me. And we did. And then that led to another shoot like a couple weeks later. And then, boy, now I think of you as one of my best longtime friends. And I mean, I think we've got a, hopefully a friendship for life Yep, and it's, it's been really special. The things we've gotten to do together for sure. And and the photography I've gotten to create and, and to tell your story as a paddler. So, um, that's what I mean though. You know, things you do set you up for something in the future and you can't ever tell what it is until it happens. And you're just, but, but you're prepared and you're ready and you just got to say yes and go for it. Yeah. It reminds me a little bit too of, uh, there's like, you know, uh, kind of the, the story of like driving in the fog, like you don't, you can't really see in the fog, but if you just keep moving forward, you'll eventually get to the destination that you're trying to get to, or you'll eventually get somewhere. Do you know what I mean? But you might get somewhere better. You might get somewhere better. Exactly. (laughs) Um, but if you, if you know, if you stop because you can't see, I can't see around the corner, then you never get there. So just kind of like continuing to move forward and you'll see you again, when you're driving in the fog, you can't see forever, but you make it around that corner and then you could see a little bit further and a little bit further and you just keep going. And as you go, you see a little further. And so yeah. you, you move into the RV, you're still doing your weddings. Everything is going great. You're living this dream lifestyle that you want to do with your family, with, with Kathy and Abby. And, um, and now you're starting to do some more of these passion projects that you had kind of dreamed of. 
at what point did you do you I guess maybe a better question is do you still do the the portrait photographer and and wedding photography to oh, this day I don't I don't do weddings I do portraits just naturally mm-hmm. as um, you know, it's a big part is telling, it's not just about the place, it's about the people. Right. And so the portrait work has trained me, given me a skill to be able to create images of people that are dramatic mm-hmm. as well. So, and, and so then I guess, when do you kind of like, is it just a slow decrease of weddings over the time, over the years? Cause you know, your one year comes and goes Yeah. and then what happens? You're like, well, let's just keep going or. Well, so we had these weddings booked and we're, we're ticking them off as the dates come mm-hmm. to go shoot these different weddings. Um, but somewhere in that first year, I don't know, it might've been two or three months onto the end of the road. We went to the outdoor retailer trade show in Salt Lake city. Yep. And I, I'm, I was always working with outdoor brands too throughout this, but I saw that us being traveling and all gave us more opportunity to maybe do more of that work. And so we went to the outdoor retailer show to kind of, um, connect with some of the brands that we knew and then maybe make some connections with new ones. You know, it's kind of a mm-hmm. networking thing. And as we're looking through their little program, we see in the back in the W section, Winnebago Industries. And I was like, could that be the same Winnebago that makes the van that we live in? And I was like, I've never heard it called Industries, but maybe that's the same company. So anyway, that kind of, Kathy and I talk about it for a second and then we take off and we're going to our appointments that we had that day. And we go outside and we're walking from one building to the next. And there's a Winnebago sitting there, a big, a big class A, you know, classic Winnebago. And we're like, gosh, you know, we just bought this Winnebago of our own and we're loving it. And it's, it's just been amazing. Let's go in there and we're just going to just tell them how great it is and mm-hmm. tell them, you know, that, uh, thank you. And we weren't even really thinking that this would be the type of work that we would be doing. This is another example of how you just never know what's going to happen. But we walk in and there's a marketing person there who's talking to people about the product and just educating about Winnebago's. And we walk in, we're like, Hey, you know, we just got a Winnebago. We love it. We're full-time on the road. And it's, it's just been the best experience ever. And um, so we start talking to this gal and she's like, well, hold on a second. You're a photographer and um, you're traveling full-time and you're in one of our products. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And she's like, well, we're starting a new blog and it's not even up yet, but we're really looking for contributors to help create content for that. And I was like, oh, wow. Like that was totally unexpected. I was like, well, yeah, let's, here's my card. You know, let's stay in touch. Mm -hmm. And she's like, okay, I'm going to have Don, the editor, get in touch with you guys. And so we have a call with Don and we basically told him our history and he wanted to know if we could write and I can kind of write, but my wife, Kathy can really write. Mm-hmm. And, um, so we're like, yeah, you know, let's, let's talk more. And he's like, okay. He's like, we still got some things to iron out. This is a new project, but give me a month and then let's talk again. So we go up to, to the Ottawa river in, in Canada and we come back down and we have this day where we're trying to make a video for our YouTube channel and we're going to paddle around the statue of Liberty. Mm-hmm. But it's also the day we were meeting with Don and we have this Skype call planned. So we go do our, our paddle around the Statue of Liberty. We jump out. We have like 10 minutes. We're kind of running late. We go throw our boats by the RV. We, I put on a collared shirt. Our hair's still wet. We go over to this picnic table, set up the computer, turn on Skype. Boom, there's Don. And he's like, hey. This is the first time we've ever seen him in person, like video conferencing or anything. It's just been on phone calls. And Don's like, hey, how you guys doing? Nice to meet you, blah, blah, blah. We do the kind of the initial pleasantries. And then he's like, is that 
what, where are you guys? Is that the Statue of Liberty behind you? We're like, yeah, yeah, we just kayaked around the Statue of Liberty. He's like, oh my gosh, you guys are going to be perfect. <laughs> and so right there, we got the job um, creating content for Winnebago's mm-hmm. blog, which became the Go Life blog, or Winnebago Life blog. And um, we were their first contributors, and it led us down this path of creating content, just telling them, about our story and our adventures, which was another thing that was really weird for me is they wanted me to turn the camera in on ourselves, which I've always photographed other people. And now it's more about my family and even myself. So we're telling our own stories and trying to capture those at a high level. And um, then that turned into doing commercial work for Winnebago. Now I shoot a lot of their lifestyle photography for all their different products. Mm-hmm. And... Um, then that led us to be ambassadors for Winnebago and help them with R&D and products and um, representing them at shows and all kinds of stuff. And it's been an amazing relationship that happened very organically. And I'm so grateful for it every day. So, How much of, <clears throat> of your experience, like whether it be photography or athletics, because I, I, I see it more, you know, on my... in my experience from the athlete side and, and even beyond athletes in just everything that I do in life. But like, where do you find the networking is like how, how much of a importance that plays on just like finding these opportunities or then like just kind of, you know, coming to you. And then also how much of it is just kind of saying yes to all the opportunities that come your way that eventually lead to where you are. Like, I'm sure everybody listening to this would be like, man, I'd love to be a, you know, a Winnebago or a sprinter, you know, athlete or, or, or representative or influencer and get paid to go travel around the world and tell our story. Like that sounds incredible, which it is, but like, it's, it's more than just that. It's obviously, it's building the skills that got you there. It is networking with people along the way that gets you into the right conversations, the right rooms with the people that make those decisions. And then it's also just saying yes to opportunities that like what you said, you're not really sure where it's going to take you, but it eventually leads you to where you are. Um, So kind of how does that, I guess, all play in your mind of like, is there one that's more important than the other? If anybody is listening, that's like, oh, I want to do what Peter did. Like, what do you think is the most important kind of step um, to get to where you are um, today. Um, yeah. I mean, I think networking is super important, but you gotta, you gotta be sincere about it. Mm. You can't just network. You... So going back to Winnebago, I mean, they get hit up every day. Somebody give me a van, give me an RV. Right. I'm going to do this. And what made the difference for us is that we were already bought into the brand. We had already invested our own money into their product. We'd come to the realization that that was the right product for us. Mm-hmm. And by us doing that, that's what opened the door. Yeah. So it was partly us making that first step and realizing that Winnebago had the best product that we wanted. And then two, it was just having that opportunity to meet them at the show and go and say hi and doing that networking um, led to this opportunity. So it, it's it's amazing, you know. I get asked that a lot, like, you know, how can I get Winnebago to give me a van? And it's like, <laughs> they don't do that, you yeah. know. But um and I, even I, I buy my van, buy my vans from them, but I do mm-hmm. work for them. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's hard to say, but I think it's, 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 it's chasing your passions, being sincere, being organic, being, um, authentic, authentic. Yeah. And, and then trying to 
authentically work in those situations. And it's more than that. It's, it's going to these people that you think you'd like to work for and not asking, what can you give me? You say, what can I do for you? Mm. And you become helpful to them. And then hopefully you're helpful enough that then as things build and you grow in your relationship, then they're like, yeah, this guy's awesome. You know, we want to help him just like he's helped us. Yeah. And then you build these really powerful relationships. That's what I see as the number one thing as a, as a professional athlete or anybody that's like a up and coming athlete that wants to get sponsored. And I see the same in this like whole new influencer world that we live in as well, where too often people just say, what can you give me? Yeah. I've got X amount of followers. I do this. I do that. I win competitions. I can air screw whatever it is. Plug in whatever you're say. Whatever you hold to, like what makes you what you think makes you valuable. But people are just like, well, what can you give me because I'm so good? And it's like, well, that's not how this game works. Yeah. The game works of like, what can I give you of value? And then maybe we can make an exchange of value of sorts, whether it be through product, whether it be through promotion, whether it be through finance or like a monetary value of sorts. Um, but it's always like, how can I help you? And then, and then what kind of you know transaction can we make in in exchange for that? Um, and I love how you started off with that. And and two, I think in this like influencer world that we live in too it's really easy nowadays for people to just be like, hold up some product and be like, I, I support blank. Do you know what I mean? Where we're moving into this like world where now everybody, their BS meters are like really high and they can tell like if it's fake or not. And so everybody's looking for authenticity. And I love how you said like, yeah, we actually bought the Winnebago. We put our more, our money into it. We loved it before we ever even talked to them. And then we went and said, Hey, by the way, we love your product. I think that's such a great way to kind of start off any sort of networking is to say, Hey, I love this product so much. Thank you so much for making it. By the way, if there's anything that I could ever do to help provide value to you simply because I love your product so much, it, like that's such a great yeah. way to start. And don't even ask for anything in return because that's kind of how this networking works is like you're building relationships versus um, versus saying like, hey, pay me to go take photos or pay me to go do whatever. Do you know what I mean? Like that's, it's, it's such a... I don't know. People don't want that. Like nobody wants to do that. And and I hear this in the photography world and everything. Like there was, you know, anyway. Yeah. Everybody thinks that like, well, I just deserve it because I'm so good at whatever. It's like, no, that's not how the world works. It's the same. Um, can you imagine like trying to go find a spouse or a, a boyfriend, <laughs> girlfriend and just being like, I'm so great. You should date me or you should marry me. It's like, that's not how this works. Like, and relationships are all the same. It's all just like a version of that. It's you know funny I mean? you say that because I think so many people do think that that's how it works. Right. And with relationships too. And that's maybe, maybe, you know, there's yeah. a lot of, but um, yeah, it's really important to um, look at it as a symbiotic relationship and try to um, prove yourself to mm -hmm. them, make yourself valuable mm -hmm. and then maybe they'll reciprocate and it doesn't always work that way. You know, it doesn't, it, it might just be the timing's bad. Yeah. <clears throat> um, but yeah, you just got to be out there. You got to say yes to things. You got to um, be authentic. Don't try to rip people off. Don't try to do something that you're not ready to do or you're not 
authentically going to, you know, prepared to do, or even have a relate, you know, trying to just go after some company just because you hear they have money and they're sponsoring people or mm-hmm. whatever, mm-hmm. you know, um, that's probably not going to get you where you want to go. Yet. I totally agree with all of that. And, and kind of talking about just relationships, uh, and, and, being authentic. I want to hear your thoughts a little bit on fatherhood because, you know, you're a dad. You've been a dad longer than I have. Uh, you're way more experienced in the whole fatherhood game. What's coming up on Father Father's Day, a couple, what are we, like two, three weeks away now? Well, you got two kids, so you're moving twice as fast well, as me. Well, fair enough, fair enough. But Abby's what, like, is she 19, 19. 20? Yeah, Just somewhere in there. Um, but I want to hear a little bit about... Uh, your thoughts on fatherhood and being an active parent and kind of balancing this like this lifestyle, work, entrepreneurship, family, kind of like how you're able to balance it all and how you're able to just kind of do it all together a little bit. Um, well, um, when Abby was first born, even before when Kathy was pregnant, we were going rock climbing and we ran into a, another a woman who was there with a little kid and they were rock climbing. And I remember her telling us, um, you know, when you have a kid and you want to live an outdoor adventurous life, when they're little, you just take what you can get and be grateful for it, Mm -hmm. but still go out there and do the things you want to do. Don't let it keep you from doing what you want to do, but just know that it might be toned down a little bit. It might be different, but still get out there. And the biggest thing she said was share the, your personal loves with your kids child, whatever that was in case, Mm -hmm. this case it was rock climbing. And, um, so we did that. I mean, Abby, we did our first camping trip with her when she was 10 days old and we took her out camping and then we took her rock climbing. We would literally take the little pack and play, um, baby crib thing Mm -hmm. and take it to the, to the cliffs with us and set it up somewhere in the shade, put a little bug screen over the top. And we would be within, you know, 20, 30 feet of it watching her, but we would be climbing the whole time. That's awesome. Yeah. And it was great. And so, um, when we got into kayaking, the same thing applied. It's like, yeah, she's got to take swim lessons, learn how to swim, learn how to be kind of safe around the water and the river. But once we kind of passed those hurdles, it was like, yeah, she needs her own kayak. So we got Mm -hmm. her own kayak at age four and it was scaled back. You know, we'd go to the lake, we'd go to little eddies in the river that were mellow. We'd take her to the pool in the winter, but she became a kayaker. And a lot of the people in the neighborhood we used to live in thought we were insane for that. They're like, what? You're putting your six-year-old daughter in a river? And I'm like, yeah, you know, she's totally good. And, um, and talking about supporting it is as as much supporting us as parents as it was supporting her. Mm -hmm. So through Colorado Whitewater Association, which is a big paddling organization in Colorado, we, um, we decided that we wanted to start a kid's program. So we started this kid's program partially just selfishly so we could meet other parents who were interested in paddling with their kids. And then we could build this community of people that we could go out with on the weekends and paddle together. But the classes that we ran were in the pool in the winter. So it was really great because we all hung out at the pool in the winter. We all had our kids, our kids were doing their thing. We'd go out for pizza after the, after the pool sessions and all hang out. And then in the spring, when the river started running, we'd start sending emails. Hey, do you guys want to go to the Poudre river this weekend? And, and the dads will go do a, a harder run in the morning and the moms will go in the afternoon and then we'll get the kids out in the middle of the day. And 
it was awesome. We built this whole community, and half the people I've been camping with here in Buena Vista this weekend are friends that we made through that program. That's awesome. And now all of our kids are, you know, in college or graduated from college and off doing their thing. But, um, you know, I paddled with three of those kids this weekend on numbers that were kids that were tiny little kids when we first started that program. Wow. And so it's been a really valuable thing. And I think as a parent, don't let, just because you're into something, don't let that because you have a kid mean that you maybe have to go more traditional sports, you know, that the football, basketball, hockey, whatever, you know, that if you're into like climbing, paddling, whatever it might be, mountain biking, go do it and and show your kid that why you love it. And there's a good chance your kid's going to love it too. Yeah, I I couldn't agree more with with that. And and I would almost even add to that too, <clears throat> like be a little bit flexible in the sense that obviously, so Emily and I, my wife, uh, we're both kayakers. Uh, we've been doing this for almost 20 years, which is kind of crazy. Obviously, I have a, a deep passion for the river and, and paddling. Um, but one, I started realizing like, I don't need to be running class five. I could go run class one or go to the lake or go to a pool or class two or whatever with my kids. And I can have just as much fun sharing the experience of the outdoors with them as I would, you know, going to run class four or five with, with my buddies. And so kind of recognizing that like, oh, the joy is still the same. It's just, you're almost opening it up to like more opportunities than even before, before kids. And, and two, I also found that like I, and I actually, I got this a lot from you. You probably don't even know this, but you were a climber, ice climber, all this stuff way before kind of a paddler. Um, and, and then, but Abby, your daughter got really into paddling. And obviously you guys have been traveling around the world a lot more kayak and focused and, and around more paddling, um, still climbing, still doing all the other stuff, biking and riding, you know, dirt bikes and all the cool stuff that you do. But, um, it, it kind of shifted a little bit and it made me realize like as much as I'm obsessed with kayaking, I, I need to be open that I just want to encourage my kids to get outdoors, to be adventurous, to, um, to take care of our planet, to all the, like the things that I find important in life that are really important. Like kayaking is a, is a love of mine. That's not, it's not a, a moral thing. Do you know what I mean? Like, that's not what I like deep down when I, when I die where I'm like, man, I'm so glad I kayaked every day. It's like, no, I I want to encourage my kids to, to do these things to, you know, just to simply to get outdoors, uh, especially in this world of like screens and technology that we live in right now. And so if it's hiking, if it's backpacking, if it's camping, if it's biking, if it's kayaking, if it's rafting, any of those things, I'm trying to like, um, to encourage all of it, but also um, to facilitate it all, to, to give them the experience. Like if we only ever went kayaking, maybe maybe kayaking's not their thing, but if I never showed them rafting or biking or hiking, maybe they wouldn't find their thing. Do you know what I mean? So, so as a parent, I feel like you almost need to be open enough to like, let them figure out what's their thing, you know? Um, and, and like EJ, my father-in-law, he always said, when Dane and Emily, his kids got into kayaking, he was really into kayaking and he was under the impression of like, you know, <clears throat> the Indians back in the day, they would go hunt Buffalo. And what did the kids do? They grew up to hunt Buffalo. So he was like under the impression that like, if we just go kayaking every day, the kids are going to grow up to be kayakers. 
which I agree. There's probably some some deep suited deep um, truth to that, like deep seated truth to that. But I also think just like opening it up and letting them opening up the opportunities that are available and letting them really pick. Like maybe rafting's your thing, which kayaking was mine, but great. Do you know what I mean? Let's just go spend time in the outdoors. Maybe it's biking. Maybe it's hiking. Maybe it's skateboarding. Maybe it's something totally different. Maybe it's painting. I have no clue. Um, but really just trying to encourage them to like figure out what is their thing because each and every one of them is their own individual. And I almost find that's like the hardest at times is to recognize that like they're not mini me's as much as I want them to be a mini me, they're their own person. And I have to be accepting of that and also like encouraging that in, in, in you know, every way that I can. Um, yeah, that's true. Uh, but you know, the other thing I see just exactly what you said, you introduced them to all these different things and you don't have to just go down one path. Right. I mean, um, and that's the thing I think that people in Colorado do really good is because mm-hmm. you can't kayak year round. Mm-hmm. So you get into skiing, you get into ice climbing, you rock climb and there's different seasons. Yep. And, and, you know, while it is really, you, you know, you get passionate about one thing and you want to chase it really hard, but then I think it is healthy to go off in a different direction and do something else. And then you can come back to that thing you love probably with a little more passion than before. And, um, doesn't mean you're any better or worse at it. it just means you're more well-rounded as an outdoors person. And I think too, like what you were saying, just with photography, you're building these skills that you have no idea when you might use them later on. It's it's like building a, a tool belt or a toolbox and you're just like each each skill is like a new tool that later on in life you might come up to a situation where you need that tool from 20 years ago. Like you you know, whether you're into kayaking and then, you know, 20 years later you're down in some expedition in Nepal and you're like, oh man, I'm so glad I know these whitewater skills or whatever it could be, you know, you know, translate any skill into that scenario. Um but it's yeah, I, I I look at it all the same way where it's like you're you're kind of just you're harnessing all these different skills that are potential for this tool belt of of skills later on in life that could be yeah. you know, whether whether you wanna be like this whole influencer world that we live in, that didn't exist twenty years ago. Um and so having the the skills of being a climber uh, a kayaker, dirt biker, living in a van down by the river, being a professional photographer. Like those are the perfect skill sets for that. 20 years ago, you could never imagine like, Hey, if I have all these skills, this is going to give me this dream job of like, you know, globetrotting the world. Like you can't, you can't see that. It's like what you're saying, not being able to see it's deep in the fog where it goes in the fog. But, but knowing that like, you know, maybe this skill might be useful later on in life. And, and again, whether it be business and, and talking, contracts with brands or or partnerships or whether it just be, you know, um, relationship building or networking. Like it's all so important, but you can't quite figure out like where exactly does this puzzle piece fit? It's It's all entangled. Yeah. Yeah. And it's the same way with my photography. It's the same way with outdoor skills. It's the Mm -hmm. same way with travel. Mm -hmm. I mean, we first started traveling. We didn't know when we knew some places we wanted to go to, but once you open the the wheel of travel, you know, you, you, it takes you to the most amazing places that you never dreamed you even would want to go to, you know, you didn't like, we're going to go to Tuk 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 this summer, which is in the Northwest territories in Canada. It's the most Northern point in Canada. Wow. And you would ask me said Tuk Tuk Tuk, you know, three years ago, I'd have been like, what is that? 
you know, and so I'm from Canada and I had no idea yeah, where you were you talking. Go I was with like, us. Oh, interesting. <laughs> but it's, you know, up on the Arctic ocean and it's, um, it's going to be an amazing trip and I'm really mm-hmm. looking forward to it. But, um, you know, we're going to use all the skills that we've learned to not only get up there, but then to document the trip and to tell this story and to make it hopefully interesting to other people and inspiring to other people. And that's kind of our big push right now is to take these opportunities that we have with travel and make people excited about travel for one, but hopefully get them inspired to go out and travel and take their kids. And you don't have to wait till you're retired to jump in a van or an RV and go do something cool. You know, you can, you can take your whole family and go now. Mm -hmm. And um, I think that's really important because I don't think there's any guarantee that there's going to be the tomorrow. There's going to be that awesome retirement that you want. I don't mean to be a downer, but you know, I've see it over and over, you know, and it's like, if you really want to do it, go do it. Yeah. Don't wait. I, go I, now. I agree with that. And I, the other thing that I see too, is when people are just like, I've got, you know, friends and family members that say, oh, well, I can't do that. And it's like, you can, you just have to make the hard choice to do it. You have to you make that leap of faith that you did yeah. to like leave the job or, or to take a year sabbatical or whatever that version might be. It's probably going to be a compromise of some sort, 100%. but you can still do it. Yeah. Maybe it's a pay cut. Maybe it's whatever it might be. Do you know what I mean? Um, but you know, we never know when our last day is, first of all, but also even if we were blessed to live to be old. Is it then, like, is it when you're old that you want to go do all these things that you've ever wanted to do? Because at one point you're going to be less mobile. You're going to be less active. Um, the the passions are maybe going to change or, or maybe the opportunities are not even there anymore. Do you know what I mean? And so I really, I just encourage everybody to, to go chase that dream, do what they want to do, like live live the dream life the best that you can right now. Yeah. And and sometimes that even takes a moment's pause to really think what is my dream life? Like what where do I actually want to go? If I could if I could have all the money in the world, if I could have all the time in the world, if I could have everything that I ever wanted, what would that life even look like? And and I find sometimes we don't even know. Do you know what I mean? It, we, we're just kind of stuck in this, like, whether it be the rat race or whether we're just like, wake up, go do this, go do that, come back, go to sleep, wake up, do the same thing again. You get stuck in this like cycle and, and you don't even stop to think like time is passing by. The sands of time are falling yeah. and we never know like when it ends. And so you think can get, you can get more money. You can't get more time. Exactly. <laughs> um, and especially having kids too, like being, being a parent, like I'm, I'm now recognizing you know, my son is going to be 10 this year. Your, your daughter's 19 going on 20. You know, you miss that stuff. Like they're only young. They're only kids for so long. They're only, they're only, you know, youth then for so long. They're only teenagers for so long. And so, you know, experience it as much as possible. Soak it in as much as you can. And I really just encourage you guys, everybody listening, uh, and myself included, like I, I, dwell on this often. Um, like what else could I be doing? What more could I be doing? What if I, if I, you know, when I'm 80, what am I going to look back and be like, I am so glad I did that versus the regret of being like, man, I wish I would have. Yeah. Because that's the hard part. I, man, that would be like, I don't want to be the 80 year old that wakes up and and thinks like, ah, I wish I would have. Do you know what I mean? I think there'll always be, you know, some regrets, but but I want to minimize them. Yeah. And, and something we're thinking of lately, um, gosh, we just did a little documentary on it. And 
the title of it is The New American Dream. Mm. And I think, you know, we kind of traded in the American Dream, which is you get a house, you get a good job, you work hard until you're 60, whatever, and then you retire, and then you just enjoy all the fruits of your labor. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that's that's a, a nice thought, but I don't think it happens that way for most people. So my what I'm calling the new American dream is freedom, and it's freedom now to do what you want to do. And you aren't in the confines of a house, and maybe you do live in a van, and maybe you do have less stuff, but maybe you don't even need that stuff. And it gives you the freedom to chase those things that you really want to do, and not only chase them, but but even be able to see them. You know, mm-hmm. I think so much of America is is just stuck in consumerism and getting that next thing, keeping up with the Joneses and they individuals are losing their sight of what they even really want to be doing. Yeah. And so I feel like kind of, I've seen over the wall, like somebody lifted me over the wall. I looked on the other side. I'm like, Oh my gosh, these people are having way more fun on the other side of the wall than I was on this side of the wall. Mm -hmm. And I've jumped over the wall now and it's it's a different lifestyle, you know. It's a it's kind of a, a, a subculture, if you will. But I'm so glad I discovered it. And yeah. It's just led to this amazing freedom. And not to say it's all easy and it's all roses, you know. There's there's certainly times when it's challenging. But um, all in all, I don't think I would trade it for anything. Yeah, I I completely agree and and love this lifestyle. And but I would also you know put out there that to each their own. Do you know what I mean? You oh, and sure. I might enjoy the travel and the the nomadic lifestyle and waking up in the freedom to go wherever you want and, and to have all these experiences. To other people, maybe, you know, their dream life is the security of a nine to five job and a paycheck that's every two weeks and a and a house and a lawn to cut. Like and so I'm not saying and I don't think you are either, yeah. that anybody has to do this, that this is the way. It's like, no, I, I encourage everybody to take a moment to pause and think, what is your your version of your dream life? What What is it that you really want? Because I think everybody has the opportunity to chase that dream, um, just like you have and, and, and I continue to do. Um, and to each and every one of us, it, it might be a little bit different. Oh, it's totally different. That's yeah. what makes it exciting. Exactly. You know, and... Yeah, everybody has their own dream, and I just I just want to see people be able to realize their dreams and mm-hmm. to to see them and and not get bogged down on the other stuff that pulls you away from your dream. If you if you had any advice, like you know, living this life and making that transition and and living this dream life now and jumping the fence as as you said, um, what advice might you have for anybody that wants to? Whether their dream or passion be similar to yours, whether it be, you know, starting a photography business, being an entrepreneur, doing any version of whatever their dream life might be, what would, do you have any like advice of like how to take that first step or or what to do or, or when the fear kicks in, how to kind of overcome that? Um, I think look for your passions. You know, I think more than anything, living a passionate life is really important. I mean, and and that could be anything. It could be mowing the grass and doing the stuff that is seen as mundane, but looking for passion in your life. And I think then passion is going to lead you to where you really want to be. And, and it's going to change. I mean, just because I'm passionate right now about traveling around in a van doesn't mean in 10 years, I'm going to be passionate. I'm probably not going to be passionate about that. I'm going to be into something else, Mm -hmm. you know, could be riding a motorcycle. It'd probably still be traveling to some degree, but 
But, you know, I think um, just being honest with yourself and giving yourself a chance to discover these things and maybe um, having just some quiet time to, to think and get off the phone. And, you know, we're, we're, our, our society is so bombarded with – our mind is just like constantly attacked with all this stuff. It's hard to even sometimes think and be like, okay, what do I want to do today? Mm-hmm. You know, that's, I think this time just gets frittered away and it's just gone. But um, passion is the big thing. I always let my passion kind of um, lead me. And then from there, it's just believing in yourself and um, using the, the skills you have, the opportunities you have to take you down a path that's hopefully in the direction that your passions are leading you to. Mm-hmm. Peter, I've I've absolutely loved this conversation. As uh, as a friend, I I obviously love getting to spend time with you, going on these rad adventures, and getting to talk about parenthood, getting to talk about you know uh, your experiences, chasing dreams. This has been incredible, and and I hope my listeners have uh, have gotten some value out of this. I'm going to move us on to the next part of the show that I call the fire round because I feel like I could probably just sit here and we could just keep, you know, tagging off all sorts of different topics because I, I feel like we're on a fairly similar wavelength. Um, and we could also probably dive into our next adventures and what we're going to yeah. do. So m- maybe we'll just have to do a second episode at some point. But, um, but we'll go ahead and jump right into the fire. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. With Indeed, everything hiring is all in one place and it makes it so easy. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences each day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. The more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join the more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Indeed.com slash podcast. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Around. These are a couple quick questions that I ask all my guests on the show. Uh, and I'm going to start off with, do you have a favorite quote or current quote that you possibly live by? I do. And it's funny because it's taken me a little bit to remember it because, um, but, um, I think the quote that I think of the most that I tell people this is, especially in kayaking and anything hard is never quit on a bad day. Mm. And I, I think about this a lot, like, um, especially on big adventures, you know, and you're like tired and you got a blister or, you know, your water's not the right level, whatever it is, especially on multi-day things. You know, if you can just take time out, stop, regroup, sleep on it, usually the next day you'll have the motivation, the energy, the whatever it is you're missing to carry on. Yeah. 
I love that quote, never quit on a bad day. And yeah, just like what you said, whether you sleep on it, whether it's, you know, insight, whether it's just taking time to, you know, come up with a solution, whether it be, or, or just taking time to blow steam off or whatever it might be. Um, that's a great quote. And ironically, the, the amount of time that we've spent together, I don't know, I don't know if I've ever actually heard it before. Um, but I like that quote a lot. Never quit on a bad day. Um, Peter, do you by chance have, I don't know if you're a big reader or not. Um, uh, no, <laughs> <laughs> I, I would love to read more, but I am like, so anytime I have a, to- a second, I'm on my computer working on images or mm-hmm. I'm creating images. Mm-hmm. And like what we talked about being a visual learner versus maybe verbal and, and not that books are verbal, but, but the way that I read them, it's like verbal in my mind. So I, I kind of am with you there. So I'm going to ask this next question in, in a, in a variety of sorts, but do you have a favorite book or podcast or YouTube channel that, uh, that you listen to watch, read any of that sort? It's funny. You asked that probably the last time I sat down and read a book cover to cover was on a grand Canyon river trip. And I would, it, it was kind of hot that trip and I would sneak off into a side Canyon and I would take my thermarest pad and I just lay in the shade somewhere and I didn't have my computer. I could take pictures, but usually it's in the middle of the day when the light was bad. So mm-hmm. I wasn't real motivated to do that. And I was just kind of biding my time on some of the rest days. And I read the um, Edward Abbey's Monkey Wrench Gang mm-hmm. in the bottom of the Grand Canyon, which I thought was really fitting because it's all about the Colorado Plateau and the desert and all these fictional characters. And, a, you know, it's, it's an amazing book. And, um, but reading it in that environment was really special. That is and. cool. I don't think I've read that book, so I'm going to have to check that one out. But it reminded me of the book that I read when we did our Grand Canyon trip together, which was um, Rise of Superman, which was all about flow yeah. state. And I also thought that that was like a really uh, a fun and appropriate book to be reading in the Grand Canyon, just like on this cool adventure. Yeah, um, I remember talking about that with you around the campfire. Yeah, we, like I'd read a chapter and then, and then we would talk about it. It was pretty fun. Um Peter, do you by chance have a, a recent lesson learned, whether it be through success or failure? Something that oh you've boy. learned recently. Recently. I mean, geez, I'm always learning lessons. Um, I think lately I've been trying to grow my YouTube channel and I've challenged myself in the last year to create a video a week. Mm-hmm. And that's been really hard. Um, I've, I've always been a, a still photographer and I've always dabbled with video, but video, as you know, um, and anybody who's played with video, the editing side of it is just can be um, insurmountable. Sometimes you shoot mm-hmm. all this beautiful footage and you're like, Oh my gosh, what am I going to do with all this? So I think my lesson learned is I've been really excited to learn premiere, to learn video, to give myself these, and they're literally personal projects, you know, that I'm turning into a YouTube channel, but it's just whatever I'm interested in, in my travels and forcing myself to, to, to get outside of my comfort zone and learn more about video and motion and telling stories that way. That's awesome. I love that. It, it is a whole different beast. I almost find sometimes with video, like the less you shoot, the easier it is to edit because sure. like when we were on the Grand Canyon, you need a two week trip coming back. There's so much footage. Oh. You're like, Oh my gosh, I don't even know where to start. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure, you know, it's a little bit like that with photography sometimes too, but it can be, but, um, yeah, sometimes too much content is just as much of a problem as too little. Yeah. Um, 
One of my favorite questions of the fire round, Peter, is if today was your last day on earth, if everything that you've done, all your uh, photography, all your videos, all your content, um, everything was to go away with you, and all that you were left with was a piece of paper and a pen, and you could write down three truths, three things that you believe to be true that you could leave for your daughter, your wife, uh, for future generations, family members, um, any of the sort. Um, what might those three truths be? Uh, three truths. It's funny. Um, the, I think the first one is chase your passions, um, chase freedom. And when I, I don't mean that in the, what a lot of people might think, but I mean, do exactly where your passions lead you and try to set up your life to have the freedom to do that. And then I think the third thing would just be, um, be open to new opportunities and new things and don't just get so focused on one thing that you you get down a rabbit hole you know be open for new new opportunities and new experiences I love that that is great advice all around um, I gained so much value out of these conversations Peter and I hope my listeners do as well but um, being that I get so much out of it is there anything that I could possibly do to help you out is there anything that you're focused on right now that I could help you with or possibly even my listeners Man, I just like to go on more trips with you. We always have such a good time when we're together. Our time in Iceland was one of my favorite trips of all time. Mm -hmm. And um, let's go do more of that. We've been talking about a Mexico trip for years. Yeah. So let's let's make that happen. Um, I think that would be super fun. But yeah, Iceland was still one of my favorite trips for sure. And I want to go back, uh, especially if we can go back with a little more water. That would be incredible. Maybe you can come to the most northern point of Canada with us. Maybe. When are you going? <laughs> um we're going to be up there. It'll probably be mid-July. Mid-July of this year? Yeah, this year. Okay. Well, I'll see if that'll work. It might be a pretty tight schedule. <laughs> yeah, but uh, I didn't but... give you enough notice on that one. But, <laughs> but it, sounds, it sounds like an incredible trip. I also want to go to uh, Alaska. Maybe we go there sometime too. That'd that'll be, be our cool. next stop. Ooh, and okay. then we're going to drive all the way to the tip of Argentina from Alaska. Wow. That's the next goal. So That sounds incredible. Well, I can't wait to learn more about these adventures and hopefully partake in at least a, a part of some of them. Um, Peter, for anybody that wants to kind of follow along, uh, you know, continue on with, with your adventures, uh, what might be the best way for people to connect or follow along with you? Um, the best way is probably um, either Instagram or YouTube, and both of them are at Peter Holcomb, doc, just Peter Holcomb. Yeah. <laughs> at, at, at Peter Holcomb. Perfect. Well, I'll, I'll put links to that in the show notes as well. And again, uh, I hope that all of my listeners out, out there have gained some value out of this. I certainly have. I always have such a blast getting to hang out with you and look forward to our next adventures together. Um, if you guys did gain any value out of this, please, if you guys could leave us a rating and review or share this out with someone that you think might need to hear this, whether it be you know someone that wants to chase their passion, learn about some parenting uh, advice, or just kind of get it in the outdoors and, I don't know, do, do what you find is your passion. So uh, share this out with anybody that you think might need to hear that. It would be greatly appreciated by myself. And again, please, if you guys could leave us a rating and review wherever you hear this, uh, wherever you listen to podcasts, again, that would be greatly appreciated by myself and help build our community as a whole. As always, Peter, I'm going to sign us off wishing everyone a truly awesome day. Cheers, everybody. 
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.